Well, good morning. I was thinking while standing here singing along, how nice it is to be able to sing. I, uh, I don't know about you, I, I live with little people and uh, tiny disease vectors, as we call them at this time of year. And uh, there's been a lot of stuff, stuffy noses and sore throats and, and just, I don't know about you, but today I'm, I'm grateful to be able to sing. It's, it's nice to be able to, to do that together. It's, it's one of those things that we take for granted. You know like when your nose is stuffy and you think, I'm never going to take breathing through my nose for granted again? Just wanted to say that. Uh, I'm so glad you could join us today. And those of you who are with us online, I'm so glad that you're here. It's just, it's great to be in God's house. It's great to be together. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam. And I'm excited to be sharing with you today. Um, I'm really excited about this series. I think this, is, I think this is really important. I think this is really good. And I'm just, I'm so excited. Let's, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Lord God, we present ourselves to you today. We are your servants. We are your people. We love you. We want to serve you. We want to live your way. We want to be your people. We want to be known as your people. And we want that to be a good thing. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds today to hear from you. Help us to listen. Help us to be present. Keep the distractions away from us, Lord. Use these words to speak to us. In your name, amen. So we've been in our series called Burning Bright. This is part three. And I wanted to ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life when you have felt closer to God than you do right now? Think about that. Has there been a time in your life when you were or felt closer to God than you are right now? What was that like? Did you feel like every time you opened your Bible, you were discovering something that definitely wasn't there last time? Did you feel like God was speaking directly to you through the pages of Scripture? Or like every time you came to church, it was like the pastor had been reading your email and this message was just exactly what you needed to hear at that time in your life. I promise I'm not reading most of your emails. Or maybe every time you got in the car, it was like the waterworks immediately as you put on the worship music and just stepped into God's presence. Maybe there was a time when you felt like you were really making a difference, like you were becoming the person that God had always wanted to be, that you were leaving sin behind and that the love of Jesus was pouring out of you in ways that you never knew possible. Do you remember? Can you think of a time like this? But then something happened. Things changed. You're not really sure how, you're not even really sure when, but you know in the deepest part of your soul that you're not where you used to be, and this time it's not in a good way. God seems to be silent. The ministry that you're involved with seems to be spinning its wheels, or maybe you had to stop being involved because life happened. Maybe now it feels like church is just what we do. Worship is nice, but eh. That is what this series is about. We are talking about getting that fire back, getting back that sense that God is closer than he's ever been and that you just can't wait for what God is going to do next. 
We are continuing our series that we've called Burning Bright, where we're talking about the kind of church and the kind of people that God wants us to be and what our role is to play in that. Last week, we focused on embrace, on being a people of radical love, and we discovered that radical love is often not as extravagant as we think. That the life of love that God calls us to, the love by which Jesus says everyone will know that we are his disciples, that it's much more attainable than we tend to think. We talked last week about what kind of church we really don't want to be, and that seemed to get broad agreement. And then we flipped all those statements over, and we agreed to the positive side. We talked about not wanting to be a church that shows up out of duty, and we talked about wanting to be a church that is enthusiastic. We talked about not wanting to be a church that doesn't welcome people, and we talked about wanting to be a church where people can belong. I didn't get any emails this week angrily telling me how wrong I am, so I'm going to assume we're all on the same page. If you missed last week, though, I really do encourage you to watch it on our YouTube channel. Not only for the message, it was just a really encouraging service. It was just really great. But we summarized everything that we talked about by summing it down to three ideas, three things that we want. That we want somewhere to belong, that we want someone to become, and we want something to do or something to be part of. And then we summarized those ideas down even further into just one word each, and we found ourselves with something familiar. Embrace, equip, engage. So we're on the second of those three. We're talking about equip, and our theme verse for this series is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. This is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, and these are the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. If, and I say if only as a rhetorical device because it is the case, if God has called us to be the sorts of people who are light in the world, who can be seen and noticed and recognized as God's people, then it brings us to a good question. How can we become the people that God made us to be? Because I don't know about you, I most days feel like I am not the person that God made me to be. I'm working on it, but I'm not there. I don't know about you. Let me tell you a story that sort of bridges the gap between last week's, last week's message on embrace and this week's message on equip. On a cold December afternoon, there was a couple, a man and a woman, wandering the streets of Winnipeg. They'd come to the city to receive treatment for his cancer, so this was already not a happy trip. What's more, they'd gone out looking to visit a store that their friend owned and hadn't been able to find it, so that was only more disappointed. They needed to get to the hospital for the treatment, and it was too cold to walk. They called a taxi, but after waiting for very nearly an hour, there was still no sign of their ride, and the appointment time was looming. There was another man that day. He was having a hard week. Lots going on, deadlines looming at work and personal losses looming at home. He decided that lunch was in order, 
and he needed to eat something that would give him some joy. Burger King. Not just any Burger King, but a bacon king with angry sauce, fries, and a root beer with no ice. You get more drink that way. After finishing his meal, the man went to the parking lot, and he heard something that he did not expect. A man approached him, but he didn't ask for money. In fact, he was offering money. I've been waiting almost an hour for a taxi, and I need to get to HSC for radiation. Would you like to make $10? The man resisted the urge to walk away and thought about what it would mean to help these people. Could he actually afford to take time out of his day? He would have to answer for his late lunch. He also thought about whether this was a trap of some kind. But what if it's not a trap? What if these people really need help? He looked at his little white two-door car. This would be an obstacle to getting two passengers at the best of times, but the back seat was full of his children's car seats. This was going to take longer than he'd anticipated, but the path was chosen. And so the man took the first man to the hospital, and then he went back to the Burger King parking lot, and he picked up the woman and took her to the appointment as well. It only took about 20 minutes. The man was happy to have made two new friends that day and went back to work. He really didn't think anything of it. But that afternoon, he received a friend request on Facebook. This was nice. He accepted. Then he was tagged in a post that was telling the story. Then he started receiving messages from the family members of this couple thanking him for this kindness. The man couldn't believe it. What had seemed like a simple act of kindness just a few minutes out of his day had apparently touched dozens of people. They were saying things like, you've restored my faith in humanity, and God is real. Three weeks later, a package came to the man's office. It was a shirt from this couple with a thank you note still talking about this. This shirt. In case you haven't figured it out, to quote Taylor Swift, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I really don't tell you this story to toot my own horn. I'm so serious that what, when I say that I didn't think that this was anything important. But to these people, I did something radical. I just showed a bit of love and kindness and didn't cost me anything really. I looked at these people and I said, these could be my parents. If my parents were in another city, I wish someone would help them. But I did answer. I did do it. And this is a great story about showing love to someone, but it's also worth talking about because it raises the question, how can we be the kinds of people who will do this sort of thing? How can we be the kinds of people who will see someone in need, recognize our ability to meet that need, and act on it? The Bible speaks regularly of this transformation, but it speaks of it in terms of process. It's not an instant thing. It's not something... It's, it is something that we have to keep at all the time. Romans 8 talks about being conformed to the image of the Son. This is a transformation of both identity and behavior. Ephesians 4 talks about the offices of the ministry, the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. But it says that they all exist for one thing, 
to equip the people. So let's talk about how we can be equipped to walk in the works which God has laid out for us. The foundation, the foundation of our new identity and behavior is the rest, the salvation given to us by Jesus. This isn't something that we have to earn. This is something that's been given to us. Jesus makes us right with God. Jesus makes us God's children. Jesus is the reason that we have the Holy Spirit and why we are empowered to live God's way. This is always worth repeating and reminding ourselves. That's the foundation. It doesn't move, and we didn't lay it. We have to be confident in that and rest in it. It is only the foundation, though, and we have to build on it. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. There is only one foundation, and we must build on that foundation, Jesus Christ. But what we build on that foundation is up to us, and what we build will be tested. So how do we build on the foundation well? How do we, as Philippians 3 says, press on towards the goal? Well, number one, read your Bible. Do you remember that message in the fall about Christians acting out their faith? If Christianity is true, why don't Christians live differently? Do you remember what the big takeaway was? Nod or shake. Yeah, you do remember? Oh, that's good. It came down to reading this book. We looked at a study from the Center for Bible Engagement and they found that although Christians in general had pretty similar issues to the world at large, they were no better on divorce or pornography use or alcoholism, but that when Christians, when they didn't filter for Christians, but for Christians who read their Bible four or more times per week, when they did that, those numbers absolutely tanked. Suddenly, Christians were very different. Does this ring any bells for anyone remembering this? Equip is all about becoming more like Jesus. It's about learning to think like God, to see like God, to act like God in every aspect of our lives. How are we going to do that if we aren't engaging with the book that tells us what God is like? Read the Bible. There's no substitute for reading the Bible on your own. But if you want to supplement that, if you want to put some structures and supports in place to help you with that, listening to sermons throughout the week can help you to grow in your biblical understanding, and being part of a small group can help you to study the Bible more regularly and give you a chance to get more in-depth with it than we have a chance on Sunday mornings. If you're not part of a small group, I really encourage you to look for this. This is an important part of our community, an important part of our 
equipping. Contact the office if you'd like to be part of one. To tie this back to our story from before, the story about the shirt, when I talked about helping these individuals, here's the thing that I didn't say to them. I'd read the Sermon on the Mount the week before. Like, the week before. I do a reading plan that takes me through the whole New Testament every year. And I don't always stick to it. Sometimes I feel like reading something else. But it's a plan that I have and that I can use when I want structure. That plan has me reading the Gospel of Matthew in December. So here I am, walking out of Burger King with words in my head like, do to others what you would have them do to you. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. But here's the thing. Those words were there for me to remember. They were fresh because I was reading the book. It's essential. So once, we've, once we're doing that, that's like the first thing, then what can we do? The second thing is that we need to be ready, willing, and expectant. Whereas our first point was highly practical, something to do, and you'll know that you're doing it because the pages have been turned, this one is really an inside choice. This is something that'll happen in your own mind, in your soul. It's a decision and an attitude that you're going to have to maintain and nobody can do it for you. The attitude of being expectant will change everything. I like to joke that the Holy Spirit is stronger at the front of the church. Right, Donna? Now, I don't think that that's literally true, but you know what I do find? I find that when I sit at the back, and no shade on those of you sitting at the back. <laughs> Thanks, he says. When I sit at the back, it's because I want to be able to slip in and out. I want to be able to escape unnoticed. But when I sit at the front, it's because I'm choosing to do that. I'm saying this is important. I want to be here, and I want to get something from it. When I was in university, my friends were forever annoyed with me because I was dragging them to the front of the class. I'd be reminding them, this isn't high school. We're paying a lot of money to be here. These classes actually matter to our futures. No offense to our high school teachers. University is a lot more specific, right? Like, that's what I mean. But <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. But I, I feel that, that same way about church. Obviously, right now, I sit in the front because I need to be able to get to the stage. But even on weeks where I'm not preaching, that's still where I want to be. I want to be able to give my focus entirely to what's going on. I expect to meet God. I expect to learn something that will bring me closer to him or to something that will help me follow him better. You can read your Bible expectantly. You can worship expectantly. You can serve expectantly. And what about in every other aspect of your life? What about on Sunday afternoon, never mind Monday or Tuesday? What if you went about your day expecting God to show up? What if you went to work expecting God to give you an opportunity to reach into someone's life? Do you think you'd find more of them? Do you think that you would see the world differently? Do you think you'd come to church next week with a story to tell of something that God did? I wonder. Tied to that, though, we have to be willing. 
When God gives that opportunity, we need to be ready and willing to take it, to step out in faith, like Samuel who heard the voice of God and responded, or like Isaiah, here I am, send me. We need to present ourselves to God as his instruments, ready and willing and expecting to be used. And this we have to do constantly. It's not a one-off. This ties crucially with our first point. Do you see how? We have to be reading our Bibles so that we have the material there to work with because without any input from God, the most expectant and willing attitude still isn't going to have anything to do. God is always at work. We are the ones who aren't listening, who aren't watching, and aren't open to acting. So we need to be ready and willing and and expectant. Third, put it into practice. At its most simple, this means to actually do the things that God is calling you to do. Read your Bible. Act on the opportunities that God brings your way. Get involved in ministry at church in whatever way that God has gifted you. Do you have a passion for feeding the hungry? Be part of the food bank. Are you burdened for the lonely? Maybe become part of the greeter ministry. God has given us all kinds of gifts and they are to be used to benefit Christ's body, the church. God gave you those gifts so that you could accomplish his mission on the earth. Next week, our topic is engage, and we'll be talking a lot more about this step then. But in case you haven't noticed, the lines between these ideas are blurry. We'll be talking about areas to get involved next week, but I wanted to bring one up right now because it's a new idea, and we're going to try it out, we're going to see how it goes, and I wanted to plant the seeds and give you some time to think about it. For my money, there is one area of gifting that we put more barriers to than any other. And I'm not sure we're wrong to, but we do. And that area is preaching. One of the things that I love about this church is that we believe that I, as the teaching pastor, am not the only person in this church called to preach. I love that we have a diversity of voices, that we have retired pastors like John, and that we have external preachers like Paul that also come, and also people in our congregation like Donna and Bobby who just feel the call and get to act on it. I want to empower that. I want to start a preaching club. Think of it as a small group, except that we aren't going to be studying the Bible directly. We're going to work on developing that gift for preaching the word. Joining this club isn't a ticket to getting beyond the pulpit, but it'll put you on the path. If you think that this is an area that God has put on your heart, let's work on it. That is a real thing. That is a real gifting that God does and it should be recognized. So let's get some practice and some coaching going in this area the way we do for everything else. If you're interested, email me or the office. Let's figure this out. Practice is an essential part of learning. We can have all the classes, watch all the sermons, read all the books on becoming more like Jesus, but if we don't actually start doing it, then we've only done half the training. I started learning to play the guitar in fall. Reading theory and studying chord fingers is great, but unless I'm putting pick to string, I'm not really learning. So it is with our Christian life. Read this book, this life-giving window into the mind of God. Expect for God to show up and give you opportunities and then take those opportunities to put into practice what you've been learning. 
This is how we grow. This is how we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is how we grow in our faith and our love. This is how we equip. Let's pray. Lord God, we want so badly to be your people. We can only do it because of you, though. We need your spirit. We need your power. We can't do this alone. Lord, we thank you for these words, and we pray that you would put them deep into our hearts, but Lord, we pray that you would bring them up at the right time, that they would sprout a crop, and that we would pick those fruit during the week when we need to hear them. That, Lord, you would bring this up to us when someone asks or when when an opportunity comes up. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes to see the good works that you've laid out for us. Help us to be your people. In your name we pray. Amen.